Hello and welcome to this week's Reorg Europe podcast. My name is Luca Rossi, I'm a senior reporter here in Reorg's London office. On this week's podcast, we will talk about French retailer Camailleux, which filed for creditors' protection in France, and Swiss food business Aritza, which is considering a capital increase. But let's first have a look at the most topical stories at the moment. So Italian builders are still at the top of investors' agenda. Astaldi, which has been admitted to a going concern concordato procedure at the Tribunal of Rome, which is a long and complicated in-court debt restructuring process, has hired Rothschild as its financial advisor. Meanwhile, the company's lenders and retail bondholders are in the process of appointing their financial and legal advisors too. So far, retail bondholders have formed a group representing around 150 million euros of the company's 2020 notes. CMC di Ravenna is keeping investors busy too. Uh, some London-based hedge funds have built small positions in the company in the last week when uh, the notes fell to the low 40s. This is while the company told Reorg that it is not looking for new money, uh, that the 108 million euros of delayed payments will be collected by the end of the year and that no restructuring advisors have been hired so far. Another key story is Noble, which is using uh, an English law scheme of arrangement to implement its restructuring, in which it intends to pay the ad hoc committee of bondholders a large 2% working fee. It took the company's counsel several days of advocacy in front of Justin Snowden before the process was granted permission to progress to the sanction stage. Another big story of this week is that of the discount Spanish supermarket chain DIA, or Distribuidora Internacional de Alimentación. The company's 2019 bonds, which pay a 1.5% coupon, have fallen around 20 points to 73.75 after the group slashed its 2018 EBITDA forecast and restated its 2017 accounts because of overbooking of 36 million euros of receivables and 20 million euros of profit in 2017. DIA has over 900 million euros of bonds and a net debt of 1.2 billion euros. Jeshri, uh, let's now focus on uh, Camayo. Why has the company become so topical? Uh, thank you, Luca. Camayo is a French fashion retailer, which restructured a little over 1 billion debt in 2016. At the time, lenders took over the business from private equity firm Sinvin, which kept a minority stake. But last week on Friday, the company's hold co, Modesta, filed for safeguard proceedings. This is not the best news for creditors, as the process starts by imposing a stay on action for about six months, so the parties can negotiate. Camille's previous restructuring was achieved after a year of negotiations between the retailer and its lenders in a mandat ad hoc which is an amical out-of-court process. The result was a debt-for-equity swap, which put together a fiduci contract. Fiduci is a French take on a bankruptcy remote structure. Under this agreement, first lien lenders could have taken full control of the company if it didn't comply with its new debt terms. The current scenario is aggressive and pits investors who took over the business in 2016 against lenders who have bought in after that deal. They may fight for control of the company and the situation could potentially lead to litigation, 
In fact, the company is meeting with lenders today to discuss the situation. Just one question regarding uh, Camayo before we go on. Uh, wasn't the company actually performing okay last year? That's right. In September last year, the company's prospects looked quite different. The company was aiming for a refinancing. They even hired Rothschild to advise on this, but things haven't gone to plan. Earnings on a monthly basis got weaker and weaker over the last 12 months. Camayo had a product issue this summer. It also had some management changes, so it, it's been in transition. This meant that LTM EBDA was going to be close to a minimum cap of about 70 million imposed by the FIDUCI. In January, the retailer's term loans were quoted in the 90s. And other, as other retailers like Hema, Maxida, Cortifiel, now known as Tendum, and Taco, had all tapped into the bond market, Camayo wanted to take a shot too. I remember speaking to investors at the time and a few strongly doubted that this would be possible. The company had just started to achieve good numbers last year and it seemed a little soon. And so what happened afterwards? Well, by September, the loans fell to the low 80s after weak July earnings were reported. Year-to-date EBDA dropped 23% to 30 million, while EBDA was under a million euros in just July alone. By now, the company had stopped providing last 12 months EBDA on a monthly basis, but the market was making calculations of their own, and LTM EBDA to July was coming in at about 75 million. This was close to the Fiduci Covenant, and to refinance, Camus LTM EBDA would have to be closer to the 100 million euro mark. Last month, management held a lender meeting where they discussed options to tackle debt maturities in 2019, including selling the business or extending the maturity. Clearly, this has not worked out. Okay, so turning to Julie, can you tell us more about the Softguard process, please? Over the years, France has developed several tools to help debt negotiations between companies and creditors. Camayo itself resorted to some of those tools, which include out-of-court negotiations under Manda ad hoc and conciliation. These proceedings seek to minimize the period of time for negotiation uh, between the company and creditors, and they can lead to an accelerated safeguard. A standard safeguard, however, such as the one used by Camayo most recently, is monitored by a judicial administrator. It is available to companies which are not in default of payments, but are facing difficulties they cannot overcome. The judgment opening reorganization proceedings in safeguards starts a six-month observation period during which a company negotiates with creditors. The observation period, which imposes a stay of payments on all proceedings, can be extended for up to 18 months. For companies with over 150 employees or with a yearly turnover of 20 million, the administrator will organize creditors' committee to approve a plan. The committees are split between credit institutions, uh, made of financial institutions, suppliers, including suppliers holding at least 3% of trade liabilities, and bondholders. Each of the three committees must approve a plan by a two-third majority. 
if committees of creditors are in place, they can make an alternative proposal to that of the companies. But in any case, the plans have to be approved by all three groups at a majority of two thirds. If the parties failed to reach an agreement, creditors would face the prospect of their debt being termed out for a maximum of 10 years. Thanks, Julie. And now to Arista, a situation that has been heating up as Cobas, which is uh, the company's main shareholder, has been vocal about opposing the size of the proposed 800 million euros capital raise. Ben, could you shed some more light on the situation? Right, sure. I mean, so Cobas has been in the news a lot over the past weeks and the road with Arista's uh, management has been deepening, um, especially in the past few days ahead of the vote on the capital uh, increase. And this capital increase uh, vote will take place on the 1st of November, so basically a week from now. And the proposed 800 million euro recapitalization um, compares to the current market capitalization of about 700 million euros. So it is exactly this that worries Cobas, as well as other uh, investors in the equity, as any capital raise of this size would significantly dilute the existing holders. At the current share price, the dilution would be at over 50%, and significantly more once you factor in discount to current share price. In order to do this, the company has reserved rights to issue up to 45.6 billion in new shares, effectively allowing them to dilute the existing holders as needed. Currently, there are 92.9 million shares outstanding, of which about 3 million are held by Treasury. So do you think the raise will uh, go through or not? Look, it is hard to tell. We have spoken with Cobas, and the asset manager thinks that it has enough support to pass its own proposal for capital increase. And we can get to this in a minute. For situations such as rights issue, Arista needs to secure a two-thirds majority of represented voting rights and an absolute majority of represented share capital. As of July 31st, the company had 89.9 million shares outstanding with 33 million of treasury shares. Since the treasury shares do not carry voting rights, there are 89.9 million voting rights and the company needs to secure two thirds of these. Shareholder base of the company is highly fragmented with Cobas holding 14.9% stake, followed by stakes of Causeway Capitals, which owns 7.5%, Financier Lake Shaker, which holds 5%, and Black Creek Investment Management owning also just below 5%. These institutions hold 33.4% stake when adjusted for the treasury shares, enough to block the rights issue. The rest of the shares are pretty passive, so it's hard to tell which way these will swing. ISS, a proxy advisory firm, has initially come out against the board's proposal in light of the alternative measures being proposed by Cobas. However, ISS changed course, quoting capital needs and working capital situation, as well as difficulty to implement the alternative proposal, given that audited or reviewed financial information cannot be older than 135 days in Switzerland. Cobas has confirmed to Reorg that it tends to request an extraordinary meeting within a month or two if the board's proposal is voted down. Beyond this, Glass-Lewis and Ethos also support the 800 million capital increase. So you mentioned the alternative proposal by Cobas. Can you tell us uh, what is that about? Right, so Cobas is also supportive of a capital raise, just not the 800 million one. It is proposing to execute a 400 million euros rights issue initially and supported by asset disposals at potentially refinancing of the capital structure. This way, the dilution to the existing shareholders would be much more measured. And most importantly, Cobas also said it would support further 400 million euro raise should the company need it down the line. So essentially, this could actually take the overall figure to 800 million, but it's more of a step-by-step -step basis. 
So it, look, it looks like uh, there are a lot of uh, moving parts in this situation. Could you break this down for us? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And this definitely poses some execution risks for the company. So let's start with Cobas's uh, due diligence on the plan. The company uh, hired a consultancy to analyze customer sentiment, as this was cited as one of the main reasons for the race. And then conclusions of the review uh, were quite positive, actually, despite of what the company was saying. So apparently Arista's uh, financial risk if, is of some concern uh, to the clients, but not viewed as a major risk. Also, Arista's key customers feel that the company has maintained communication, and customers are generally most willing to stay with Arista, where they have chosen them to date. The other reasons uh, for the company's uh, deteriorating financial conditions and increasing liquidity needs, um, there is, Kobas obviously mentioned the, uh, and questioned these. And um, this is because the company just said in its annual results for uh, 2017 and 18 released uh, on October 1st that the business has stabilized. And Kobas also quoted Arista CEO, Kevin Toland, who said that uh, finally the business has clearly been uh, challenged, but the core underlying business is cash generative and profitable. And this was said on the investors call and it's uh, it's kind of a testament to the stability of the business, which uh, goes against the need uh, for such a severe capital raise. So uh, also Kobas raised the fact that if the business truly required an injection of 800 million euros, basically equal to that of the market capitalization, PwC should have been uh, required to qualify its audit opinion. Then uh, with regards to the asset disposal plan, Kobas's plan is driven by assumption that the company can dispose of 250 million euros to 900 million euros of non-core assets. Kobas said that it knows several different parties that have already approached or will approach the board of directors of Arista with substantiated offers for disposal candidates. No further information has, dis has been disclosed though during the negotiation period. The company has also committed to pursue disposal of Picard, where it holds 49% ownership, which could bring in further 300 million or more. With regards to refinancing, Koba said it identified different financing providers that are interested in providing alternative financing to Arista, which addresses the liquidity and financing needs of the business and will allow for you know, some additional financial flexibility. Kobas actually received a term sheet for, uh, from one of the largest and you know, apparently reputed, according to them, private debt organizations uh, worldwide, committing to 1.2 billion euros, thereby refinancing the bulk of the 2 billion uh, capital structures. But they would like to target the term loans and the short chains. So given that this plan is much more friendly, I would say, to shareholders, what are the main risks? So as I mentioned, uh, there's the execution risks, and it's definitely uh, one of the biggest ones. So uh, the company would have much smaller room for any mistakes because the capital raise is smaller. And the alternative proposal would have to be passed in November, as already planned by Kobas. Uh, so the management is heavily against it. But if the proposed capital um, raise that is uh, proposed by the board is rejected, the management might not have many other options but to you know, focus on the alternative and try to execute on the alternative measures. Uh, these, however, bring in greater disposals than originally budgeted for, and this will reduce the footprint of the business, and this is uh, not exactly what the manager wants. So regarding the refinancing, uh, this is the crucial piece of the puzzle. And Aristas amended uh, its covenant uh, covenants under its bank facilities in September, 
uh, as the company got close to breaching its leverage covenant. The covenant uh, was set at four turns uh, previously, while the company hit uh, 3.9 turns at the 2018 end uh, under the credit agreement EBITDA. On an uh, underlying basis, Arista is way above this and has already breached it uh, with 5.2 turns of leverage as of year end. Uh, and this actually even excludes hybrid perpetual facilities, which add further 2.5 turns of leverage to the company. So they would bring the total net leverage to about 7.7 .7 uh, turns. So the covenant has been amended to 5.75 turns from four turns previously, stepping down to uh, five and a quarter turns in January 31, and then back to 3.5 turns in July 31st of 2019, or once the capital raise has gone through. This essentially gives the company a year uh, to maneuver before it will very likely breach the covenants again without any capital raise. Now, all that we just discussed actually assumes underlying EBITDA. In fact, cash EBITDA has been consistently lower over the last four years by about 50 to 80 million in restructuring charges and one of charges a year. Given the continued operational restructuring initiatives, such as Arista's cost reduction program, looking to achieve run rate of 90 million euros uh, cost out a year, it is very likely that there will be further cash leakage down the road to implement these. However, these charges would likely be added back for the covenant calculation purposes. On a cash flow basis, the company was just about cash flow neutral in 2018 before any divestments. This is significantly down from the 200 million euros the company brought in in 2017, and it has brought in even double that in the year prior. Could you lastly walk us through the capital structure and provide some background on the operational performance of the company? Sure, totally. I mean, Arista has about 2 billion euros of debt, as mentioned, and this excludes the hybrid uh, securities. The entire capital structure is dominated by bank debt. As of July end, it had about 175.9 million euros in bank overdrafts, 611 million euros in RCF debt, and 878.9 million euros in term loan facility. Arista also has shul chines in the amount of 384.5 million euros. On top of this, uh, rest the 759.6 million euros in hybrid securities. As for the operating performance, the company's costs hinge a lot on wheat and butter prices, which have soared over the last two years, particularly in Europe, where they doubled since 2016. Arista struggled to pass this through, and coupled with weak organic performance in the US, EBITDA of the company more than halved since 2016. A lot of the initiatives going forward uh, that the company is trying to get through are focused on the ability of the company to pass on the increasing butter and wheat prices and reverse the trend of margin erosion. Cool. Thank you very much, Ben. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back in two weeks' time. Thank you.